Hello and welcome to the Global City Mission podcast. The podcast is hosted by Global City Mission Initiative. This is Seth Bouchel, GCMI's team leader in New York. And today I'm going to be talking to Missy Gray about missionaries and mental health. How are you doing, Missy? Hey, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for being on. Uh, so, Missy, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is you do uh, and how it pertains to this topic? I started out my career in psychology as a professor of kind of basic psychology classes. Um, loved that a lot. Did a lot of developmental work and a lot of intro to psychology, social psychology classes like that. Mm-hmm. Um, then for a while, I did assessment for a school district and kind of worked with kids that people didn't know how to assess. Mm-hmm. And I'd kind of jump in and do that. Yep. Really loved that. Um, worked with social workers for a while. Um, but for the last 10 years, I've been doing private practice, which honestly I started as just an easy way to have kids that were in school and I could work part time. Right, right, yeah. And I can't explain how much I've loved it. It has been really great. So I work primarily with adolescents and young adults. Mm-hmm. I have a few adults on my caseload at a time, but mostly I spend a lot, a lot of time with teenagers. Um, in fact, sometimes it gets to where I forget to speak like a professional <laughs> because that's just not, that's not yeah. the world I, yeah. I wander around in. Um, I also work um, a few times a year with an organization called Come Before Winter, mm-hmm. and I usually am the prayer director and the counselor that travels on some of their trips. So I get an opportunity to work with a lot of missionaries around the world, um, spending time doing some prayer and direction with them, and also doing team care for our Come Before Winter teams a little bit, mm-hmm. and um, working with missionaries all over that are dealing with really hard things that they don't always have space to talk about. Okay. Yeah, great. Uh, so one of the reasons I wanted to bring you in uh, today is because I think that uh, mental health is a complicated topic of conversation in the world of missions, at least as our team experiences it. And there's two different elements that I sort of just want to pick your brain about. The first is uh, mental health as it relates to missionary workers, mm-hmm. because I think, you know, in almost any missions context and especially in urban missions context, uh, burnout, compassion fatigue, trauma, you know, you name it. There's all sorts of issues that come up in the field. Yes. And missionaries are typically not trained mental health professionals. Mm-hmm. And so they somehow need to learn to look for those things in their teammates and address them. Yes. Though I, my guess is that they themselves don't probably have the resources to deal with it in-house. Mm-hmm. The other area that I'm interested in is the missionary relationship with people in the field that I think at least as our team experiences it, the people that we work among in the Bronx and even internationally, uh, sometimes because of shame within culture, sometimes because of availability and proximity, mm-hmm. missionaries are asked to occupy a space that is probably better suited for mental health professionals and trained <laughs> therapists. Yes. And so, but don't probably always know how to make judgment calls in that area. Absolutely. And that's not often a part of missionary training. Right. Uh, I would love to just talk about both those areas, but can we start with the first one yes. uh, that I mentioned? So is that something that you encounter a lot in terms of uh, what what are good practices for mental health in the field? What are good team practices for, for doing team care around that issue for missionaries that are doing full-time work? Yes, I think... I think that's a great question. And I think in every place I've been, I've noticed that a lot of times there's a hesitancy among missionaries um, to 
acknowledge when something really hard is happening, mm. either internally from a mental health perspective or externally from a, this is the life circumstance I'm dealing with. Sure. So especially in some of the, um, some of the cultures I've seen maybe in other parts of the world, mm-hmm. I see a lot of times people who have given up their lives and moved and spent the better part of their adulthood working with a group of people that they love deeply. And then maybe there's some deep struggle or problem in their marriage or problem behaviorally happening. Mm -hmm. And the feeling is if I tell anyone, I'll lose everything. Yeah. 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 That makes good sense. Um, Are there uh, common issues or or trends that you see occurring uh, both in the come before winter work that you've done and just generally in your experience working with missionaries and ministers. Uh, and, and if so, what are those things? Yes, absolutely. I think, I think that the pressure to be somehow superhuman is something that a lot of us struggle with. Sure. Um, yeah, I yeah. didn't mention before when you asked that, that I've been in ministry my whole adult life yeah, too. That's true. Um, my, my husband is on staff at a church. And so, you know, I'm kind of the buy one, get one free half of the team. <laughs> and so I think that there's a feeling yeah. that we have to almost be above reproach, even emotionally. I think, and I don't think that's truth. I don't think that that, I don't think that that is even what's modeled in scripture, sure. but I think that that's a lot of what, what we tend to feel possibly, or a lot of us anyways. Mm. And so I think that in reference to your question, I think there is a difficulty, um, acknowledging when there are big struggles mm-hmm. or when we're getting burned out. And so some of the common themes I think is the need to be, um, to, to not feel things deeply. But a lot of the things that draw us to ministry or mission work mm-hmm. is that compassion and empathic impulse. Yeah. And I think that those things make us more susceptible. Um, and we're going to reference it later to secondary trauma, to some of those kind of things. Um, and so the same things that draw us into a place of wanting to serve others are the same sure. things that can make us vulnerable. No, absolutely. That, that makes good sense. And, you know, one of the things that I know Jared, our director, says a lot is that your strengths are often your weaknesses. Uh-huh. And so if your strengths are uh, a real relationality and compassion and empathy and desire to serve others, not having healthy boundaries, those things can easily become weaknesses. Yes. Uh, what would you advise in terms of practices or habits that mission teams can adopt in order to help create some of those healthier boundaries and maybe have some better accountability when they see uh, bad habits within their team and within themselves. You know, I think one thing that might be great is for people to do some reflective work for themselves, thinking about what is the healthiest version of myself look like mm-hmm. and, and sharing that with team, with trusted people, with people that are, that you trust to walk alongside you. Yeah. So then when you're not, in those spaces, it's easier for people around you to see it. Yeah. Um, we've talked a little bit about this before. Yeah. The idea of when you're when you're not healthy, you've given others permission to say, "Hey, have you done? Have you have you done any half days for yourself lately? Yeah. Have you, you know, have you read a book? Have you whatever it is that sure. is really valuable to you from a practice perspective? But also when the people you trust see you not 
acting, feeling, yeah. speaking the way you usually do. So I think maybe that would be helpful is for people to share with their, with their trusted others sure. about what it does look like when I'm healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and what are some practices that I need to be engaged in that I give you permission to ask me about? Sure. So that's very helpful. That sounds like a, a form of general accountability that would be a positive addition to, I think, any kind of team rhythms. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm curious to tap a little deeper into your experience as somebody who has more knowledge and understanding of clinical diagnoses and and therapy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Beyond general accountability, when you actually get into the realm of needing to see professional help, are there, are there clear red flags or, or lines to watch for uh, where maybe the conversation, not just, Hey, when's the last time you took a day off, but Hey, maybe you should actually, Try to see someone Mm -hmm. Uh, because that's a harder conversation. Yes. And and I think it'd be more shame inducing and I think it'd be empowering to know when is the appropriate time to start considering that as an option. Okay. That's a, that's a great thought. I think that there are several different times that could be almost signals to that. Mm -hmm. One of them could be situational. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you as a team realize that one of your teammates um, has been through a lot of extra kind of trauma that they've been walking with others through. Yeah. I think that that's always going to be a signal to say, how are you doing? Um, I think that when you look at others who are maybe withdrawing more than usual mm-hmm. to ask the question of, Hey, why are you withdrawing? Sure. You know, what does that mean? I think maybe when you're noticing a lot of, hyperreactivity, um, a lot of defensiveness. Mm. Those can be things to pay attention to. I, I also think when, when you notice a lot of people disappearing, having difficulty, having meaningful conversations, Mm. um, those are things to look at. Is that what you're asking me? I think, no, that's very helpful. Yeah. I think that's exactly what I'm asking for. Um, also crying a lot, sleeping all the time, you know, sure, right. lack of interest in activities. Sure, general signs of depression. Exactly, yeah. yes. Okay, no, I, that's very, very helpful. Um, I appreciate that. Uh, is there is there a way to broach that subject between coworkers and teammates that is, is less uh, shame-inducing than others? Or is it always a pretty difficult conversation? Do you know, I think... I'm a big believer in um, acquiring permission for mm-hmm. things. And I think, you know, we talked before just a minute ago about the idea of if you say this is my best self yeah. in that same vein, if we have almost a covenant amongst ourselves mm-hmm. that um, I, I grant you permission right. to check on me. Right. Right. Then there is a big it sounds simple, but I think it makes a big difference right. to say if I've given you permission to ask me when you ask me, you're being faithful to me instead right. of intrusive towards me. Right. And I think you're right. There is an element that it's always going to be difficult. Um, but I also think that if there is an understanding mm-hmm. that when something big is going on, we are not going to remove you from the things you're passionate about. Right. Um, that's not going to be the automatic response. Right. Not that that wouldn't be a necessary thing sometimes, yeah. but that, that there is an openness to talk about things, walk through things together, seek help when necessary. Right. Um, I think that helps a little bit. Sure. And I think, I do think that advanced permission giving makes a big difference. Okay. Um, so I, does that make sense in the way that no, I said it does. that? I, I think so. And maybe let me echo that back and see if, if I'm hearing you right, that, you know, on the front end, if you can create a culture that 
it is not exceptional and it's not a failure on the part of the missionary that that conversation might come up. Yes. Then it makes it more mentionable when it needs to come up. Yes. Uh, and that it makes it seem more like a, an, a loving act among teammates because it, it was potentially expected mm-hmm. Then, oh, well, now, because this has happened, we have to have this conversation. It wouldn't otherwise be normal. Yes. Okay. And I think another thing in reference to that is I think in some cases you're on larger, larger teams. Sure. And I think that it seems <laughs> obvious, but I don't think it is right. that that when that is something you're feeling drawn to, yeah. instead of handling that as an institutional conversation, right. that's a private conversation, yes. at least at first. Sure. And I think that, that that's really loving as well, right. just like you would with a friend. Of course. You know. That makes good sense. I, I would love to make the turn now mm-hmm. uh, towards the, the missionary, you know, relationship outside of the team. Yes. More in terms of ministry and discipling relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think, again, definitely something that we've experienced in New York and something that I think I see in other places uh, is that in a lot of ministry relationship, there are some pretty chronically wounded and needy people that come into the ministry. And even ones that aren't that, but do go through just extreme periods of emotional pain and hardship. Mm-hmm. And I think it's easy for the missionary to get sucked in to try to play a role that they're not equipped, trained or it's probably not appropriate for them to to do in yes. occupying that person's life. Mm-hmm. Uh, most missionaries are not trained counselors or therapists. Yes. Uh, and my bias would be to say that they probably shouldn't try to be. Mm-hmm. Is that is there legitimacy to that bias, or is that just me? <laughs> <laughs> I I think there is some legitimacy to that way of thinking, um, and I think that. Almost always that is out of really great intentions. Oh, right. No, no, I, yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a lot of faithful partnership with people. Right. And, and I have been a lot of places in the world where not only is counseling not readily available, it's not readily accepted. Right. And so, yes. yeah. So if you end up being the one person that has heard this precious private thing mm-hmm. and then you go, man, you really need somebody that can help you more. Right. Um, and that person may not be available either pragmatically or culturally. Right, of course. You know, I think that that, that's tricky. I think that there are many times, um, both with missionaries and ministers, that I see people, um, in my honest opinion, overstepping what would be appropriate boundaries Mm -hmm. and sometimes causing more harm than good. And so I do think that there's a lot of importance to when it's possible, referring to a mental health professional, sure. um, especially when you see things about people's lives being in danger, right. hearing things like that, um, or even maybe some things that are safety, other kind of safety issues, abuse issues, right. um, or just some really low functioning mental illness where right. it's really crippling the person's life. Um, I think that can be really important. I would also say uh, that in times that is not an option. Of course. Right. I have, Absolutely. I have friends that work in Africa and there are no counselors available. And I think that's when it's time to get some really have a person on call right. that is a mental health professional. Some sort of external resource. Exactly. Yeah. That you can have as a, as a coaching resource and maybe even just a partnership where you don't just say, Hey, what do I say next time this happens as much as a, here is my situation. Right. What's my next step? Yes. Okay. I think I get that. It sounds like one of the practices that a team could do is try again on the front end 
to develop some of those relationships and partnerships with external resources. Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious on a pragmatic level, um, you know, cause I, I, I do very much believe in the power of prayer. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, there's no reason why you can't pray and hope God intervenes and seek professional help in those things. Absolutely. Those are not mutually exclusive in any means. Yes. I, I do think that there is general life wisdom and counsel that's appropriate for people minister to give. And at the same time, that's not professional counseling. Right. Uh, so how do you, uh, distinguish between those things and, and what the right judgment calls are in terms of when, again, when you approach the boundary to say, this is really the time to turn it over to someone who has training and qualification in this area as a specialist. Uh, and, it, and I'm outside of my depth as a minister. How do you learn to have that sort of judgment? Wow. Um, or, or can you be on experience? Well, I think that there's an element of prayerfulness that goes into those decisions. Sure. Right. Yeah. Um, and I also think that there's an element of, I'm trying to look for a better word than humility, mm -hmm. but, but self-awareness mm -hmm. of your skill set mm -hmm. um, and also awareness of maybe what somebody might need. But I think that probably anytime safety's on the line, sure, that's a given. Yeah, that's for me. That's a given. Mm -hmm. um, but I also think maybe when you see these threads woven through all of a person's life, you've got a marriage situation, for example, and I don't know how to relate to my husband in this way. Mm -hmm. Here's some godly counsel I might give you. Try this. Let's talk later and see how it goes. Right. Um, if those are conversations that can happen over lunch, over coffee, you know, those kind of drive by conversations that you can follow up with and be really faithful with. I think that's great. Mm -hmm. I think when you see things that are pervasive throughout a person's life, yes. when it's affecting all their relationships, yes. not that you can't be a voice, right. but you probably shouldn't be the only one. Yeah. And so to me, I'm thinking if there's safety or if they're kind of pervasive threads woven throughout all of their life, that yeah. they can't get along. Maybe you see some relational issues where they can't get along with anyone from work or church or family or right. those are times right. that probably you'd want to send them to someone to get some deeper processing mm -hmm. while still walking alongside them. Well, yes, you that know, makes good sense. Would, would you say that it's a good practice when it's available in their context, obviously mm -hmm. uh, for ministry teams to do the work of resources and networking to find what those local uh, practices or individuals or uh, care professionals are, so that they have some sort of resource library to make connections through rather than just be like, you really need to find a therapist. Good luck with that. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that counseling in almost all environments still has enough of a stigma that it's really difficult for a lot of people to go that direction, mm -hmm. both whether you're the missionary or you're the person mm -hmm. that the missionary is referring. And I think that for you to be the person that says, I know just the person mm -hmm. that goes a, a really long way in normalizing that as an appropriate course of action. Right. And also in saying, I want to be here in this with you. Yes. I think it kind of helps us too, as, as ministers, as missionaries to say, this is one of the ways that I'm walking alongside you. Yes. This would be a great fit. Mm. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. 
Uh, well, Missy, all of that I think is really great stuff. Uh, is there anything else you would add to either one of those dimensions, do you think? You know, I was thinking a little bit about the idea of compassion fatigue. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that before, and I probably should have mentioned it earlier, so I'm glad to get a chance to talk about it now. But I think that compassion fatigue as an idea that, like I said before, several of us that are drawn to this type of work tend to be very empathic and we tend to connect really well with others and their emotions, which I think is really God given and great. And I think it also makes us vulnerable to get really tired. And I think that without proper kind of feelings of how do we pursue Mm self-care, then I think that makes it really difficult to not get burned out easily. And I think that idea of getting this feeling of compassion fatigue, I think a lot of us feel a lot of guilt over it. And that's a a trait that that counselors and ministers share. Um, So I got the double whammy of it. So it's great. (laughs) But I think that because of that, one of the things that can happen is that when we feel fatigue, we feel guilt. Hmm. Instead of that being a trigger, uh, a signal to us that, man, I I am not made to do this level of depth all the time. Right. And so I think that and that I'm not saying that's true for everyone, but I think that I see it a lot where a missionary is just teetering on the edge of burnout and they feel like a, a moral failure. Right. Because they can't. Just keep doing it perpetually. Right. And so I think the idea of we are not made to be in that level of crisis and struggle and work all the time. Yes. And to, and to know for ourselves, when you start feeling that way, rather than letting that trigger a feeling of guilt and shame and failure right. to say, Ooh, I need to go recharge right. and pulling back and doing that. Yeah. Um, and then I think, you know, we talk a lot about burnout and we talk a lot about secondary traumatization and those things. We are more susceptible to those things when we're in a state of compassion fatigue. Mm. And so I think that burnout happens and then people go, oh, man, that was kind of a surprise. Or secondary traumatization happens because you've been a part of walking alongside something really terrible. Right. And and those things are unavoidable. But what is avoidable is being in such a vulnerable state that that you can't maintain through some of those things. Right. That, that rather than dealing responsibly with fatigue. Yes. By doing the work to remain healthy. Exactly. You lose the resilience and end up actually doing long-term damage. Yes. That's um, to that's yourself and often others. Absolutely. No, yeah. That's a really good word. Uh, well, like I said, Missy, this has been incredibly helpful. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time. So thank you. Sure. Uh, and thank you for joining us today on the Global City Mission Podcast. You can learn more about GCM on our website, or you can follow us on our Facebook and Twitter.